The Word of God is food for the spirit and health to the body. Through the spirit of revelation, we are guided into the wisdom and deep mysteries in His Word that make our lives vibrant and productive. Welcome to the Makerefu Gospel Church Podcast. As you listen in, the glory of God will be quickened and activated in your life. Now, the Word. This week, I was shocked but also not surprised that we have had the, one of the worst earthquakes ever seen on the planet where 20, over 25,000 people died just this week. Over 25,000 people died in the earthquake that took place in Syria and Turkey. I was, of course, saddened by the news, but I was not also surprised because Jesus spoke about these things. And I've warned you, I said, the frequency and the intensity of the signs would increase. Jesus said, this is the beginning of sorrows. It will intensify the signs, both in the natural world, in the physical world, in the spiritual, it will increase the spirit of deceit, uh, false signs and wonders. Of course, we shall talk about later on the Antichrist himself will come on the scene. These things are going to increase. And as I said, we need to reset and restart to view our lives and conduct our lives in view of the fact that Jesus is coming back soon. If you have a calling, serve the Lord. If you have a gift, use it for the kingdom of God. If you're living in sin, repent, because Christ might come back and find you in sin. Reset and restart your life in view of the fact that Jesus is coming back soon. Now, this morning, I want us to look at something that has been impressed on my heart. I believe by the Lord, for us to expound on this, the topic of slander, choosing the brethren, or the chooser of the brethren, who is the devil, but sometimes uses men to choose men. We won't talk about the subject of false accusation and slander. And if you have your Bibles, we shall begin to read quickly our first passage. It's not our main text, but let's just turn there to offer a background to the message this morning. Please open your Bibles to the book of 2 Timothy, chapter 3, verse 1 to verse 5. 2 Timothy, we're going to begin there and then progress to something else. It says in 2 Timothy, chapter 3, verse 1 to 5. Maybe let's read, let me read with you. But know this that in the last days, various times will come, continue, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, or false accusers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, 
haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Continue. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power. And from such people, turn away. Now, this is a description of the day we live in. The days we live in are precarious, not just because of the catastrophes, not because of the floods and earthquakes, yeah, but even much more, they are precarious, they are stressful, they are traumatic because of the character of men, because of the behavior of men. Men go back. Men are boastful. Men will be brutal. Um, they'll be lovers of themselves, lovers of money. You know, it's, it's shocking to know that someone will have rooms and rooms full of money. I mean, even if you live a hundred years, you will not spend that money. But there's still, still more money. Still have a greed to take more. It is shocking when people are so filthy rich, but they still want to grab more. Lovers of money, boasters, proud, proud, proud of tribe, proud of their background, proud of their color. They will be arrogant and proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. Let's continue unloving, unforgiving, slanderers. And I want this morning to focus on that one. Uh, we, we don't have time to go th through all of them. Maybe one day we shall do that one by one. But today I want to look at slanderers. And one of the characteristics of men that will make our days difficult, that will make the last days prayerless, that will make the last days traumatic, stressful, Days will be um, so full of stress and strain and, and anxiety, and there will be difficult days, not just because of the COVID-19, pestilence, earthquakes, floods. No, no, no. Also, the men, people. And one of the things that people will be doing, they will be falsely accusing their friends. False accusation or slander. And this morning, I want us to look at it and see how, as a church, we can, we, 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 we can handle, how, how can we handle this? Because Paul says, from such, turn away. That means these people are not just in the world, they are also in the church. Paul says, turn away from them. They are not just in Chikubo. But this, these, these traits are manifest sometimes in the church. So how do we handle the subject of false accusation? That's going to be our, our main emphasis now. Because of that, let's now turn to our main text, which is found in Acts chapter 11, Acts 11. And allow me to read the first four verses. Acts 11. Now, the apostles and brethren, who were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. When Peter came up to Jerusalem, those of the circumcision, underline that group, those of the circumcision contended with him, saying, You went into 
and succumbs, and succumbs men and ate with them. Verse 4. But Peter explained it to them in order from the beginning, saying, This incident is um, where Peter was praying and he went into a trance, a vision. He saw a white sheet descending from heaven. And on that white sheet, like a bed sheet, were all kinds of unclean animals. This is found in chapter 10. We don't have time. When you go home, read that chapter. Uh, Peter saw all these unclean animals. You know, the Jews have got what they call clean and unclean animals. Animals that they can eat, animals they don't eat. And Peter saw all these animals on this sheet. And God told Peter, rise eat. Peter said, oh, no, no. From my youth, I don't eat unclean things. And then the sheet went back and then came back. This happened three times. And every time God would tell him, rise and eat. Then God told, told him, don't call unclean what God calls clean. Now, when he was praying, Three men knocked at the door of the house where he was staying. They told him, a man called Cornelius who lives in Caesarea has told us to come and go with a man called Peter back to Caesarea. And the Bible says that as the men were knocking on the door, the Spirit of God spoke to Peter and said, there are people down there waiting for you. Go with them. Don't ask, don't excuse, travel them back to Caesarea. When he went back to Caesarea, it's on chapter 10, he asked Cornelius, why have you called for me? Cornelius told him I was praying and the angel of the Lord came and told me, go and call a man called Peter, I will show you the way of salvation. And as he was speaking to them, the Bible says the Spirit of God descended and filled these people. Cornelius in his house were all baptized in the Holy Spirit. They spoke in tongues. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And Peter was shocked. Said, These are Gentiles. The Spirit of God has come upon them as he came upon us Jews. Just like Jesus said, I'll baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And of course, when the news got back to Jerusalem, the Judaizers, this party called the circumcision group, began to say, Ah, oh, now Peter has sinned. He went to the home of Gentiles. Can you imagine? He went to their homes, he ate with them. So a false report, false accusation began to circulate. And Peter was looked up upon as someone who had sinned. So this is where we. Ah, now in verse 1, now the apostles and brethren who in Judea had that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. When Peter came out Jerusalem, those of the circumcision contended with him. They called him, they said, Peter, tell us, what were you doing among the Gentiles? Now I am shocked by this because this was a breakthrough. The gospel was going beyond the Jews to the Gentiles. The kingdom of God was being expanded. 
there was a breakthrough in evangelizing Gentiles. This was a monumental achievement. This was a, a wonderful thing that God was doing to bring in more sheep into his kingdom. But look, people are sad. People are divided. They stress. You know why? Because of false accusation. Because of slander. There's that group, the circumcision group, who began to slander Peter and contend with him. They spoke ill of what he was doing. Instead of the church rejoicing that people came to Christ, they were sad. They were stressed. They were divided. Slander does that among brethren. Slander will disrupt friendships. Slander will quench the move of the Holy Spirit. Slander sows discord among the people of God. Slander destroys trust in the church. Slander brings division in the church. See what is happening here. The devil made a counterattack. When Peter was able to bring in so many souls, the devil made a counterattack by bringing slander through these people. They are called the circumcision group. So this is why we must learn how to deal with this. This thing is serious. Hallelujah. It is serious. Slander is serious. God hates slander. In the book of Proverbs, chapter 6, verse 16, one of the seven things that God hates, he hates slander. He hates people who falsely accuse others. He hates them because they destroy his, they destroy his community. They disrupt unity. They bring discord. They quench the spirit. They bring strife. When people falsely accuse others, they bring division. God hates slander. We see it here. The church was having a revival. Instead of rejoicing, they are sad. They are divided. They are stressed because of evil report. Slander going around. The Bible tells us in Exodus 20 verse 16, one of the Ten Commandments is that you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. One of the Ten Commandments is against slander, falsely accusing your brother. God hates false accusers. God hates false witnesses. God hates people who speak about others and slander them because they destroy unity in the body of Christ. Now, let's look at these people more intently. Who are the circumcision group? In verse 2, they are called the circumcision group. They contended with him. This group were Jews who had come to Christ, but they wanted to keep the law. And they felt that whoever becomes a Christian must also accept the law of Moses in its entirety. They must be circumcised. They must keep the ceremonial laws. They must keep all the rules. To them, being a Christian means you become a Jew. In practice, in life, they 
contended that everybody who is born again must be circumcised, must be uh, must uh, adhere to the entire law of Moses. And of course, as we know later on, this issue brought contention in the early church. But these people had a sense of um, superiority. They are Jews. They struggled with the fact that Gentiles will enter the church and be equal with them. This group of people had a sense of self-righteousness, a sense of superiority, and they struggled with jealousy and resentment. Some of them did not want the fact that God was using Peter in such a, an unusual way. They resented Peter's leadership. They contended with him. Many times, four church choosers are nursing a grudge. They look at people and everything they hear and see about them is filtered through a grudge. You know, when we are communicating, we all have got filters. We interpret what we hear and we see through filters, all of us. Everything we see and we hear goes through a filter in our mind. These people who are false choosers, their filter is usually a grudge, jealousy, a rot of bitterness. So everything their victim may say is interpreted through that filter. When Peter went to preach to Gentiles, he had done, he had done something wrong. Even though all he did was to enter into a home of a Gentile, there is no law that forbids Jews from entering the house of a Gentile. There is no law. But because of the filters in their hearts, in their minds, they had a grudge. There was a sense of jealousy. There was a sense of superiority. They could not accept Gentiles to become equal with them. That was the filter in their minds. And often, when people are choose others, when you examine them, sometimes there is a root of bitterness. Whatever they hear, they misconstrue, they misinterpret, they think the worst of what people have said because they have a builder. There's something in their mind that blocks them to hear and listen well what others are saying. Everything the person says is misconstrued, is looked at in the negative, because there's a filter. There is a pain. There is unforgiveness. That unforgiveness becomes a filter. Everything he sees, he sees through the filter. No, that person can never do anything right. Everything he says, even when he says something that is neutral, Somehow that filter will turn into something that is either caustic or, or critical. That filter is in them. So this morning, let's check our hearts and make sure there are no filters in our hearts that cause us to view people in the negative. Sometimes people, what they say is... Is, 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 
What's the right word? There is no ill intent. What I do has no ill intent. But because you have a filter in your mind, everything I do and say is seen in the negative. Peter had done nothing wrong to go and preach the gospel to the Gentiles. Look at the charge. The charge, the, the sin he had committed, stated in verse 3. It says, you went in to Ansacrum's men and ate with them. That is the charge. That's the sin of, of Peter. Now, honestly, what is wrong with going to a home of a Gentile? The law of Moses does not forbid a Jew from visiting a Gentile. What the law of Moses prohibits is a Jew marrying a Gentile. But there's no law that forbids a Jew from entering the house of a Gentile or even eating with them. Go and look at the Bible. There's no law that forbids a Jew from eating food with it. As long as the food they eat is kosher, is food that's allowed for Jews to eat. There's no law. But you see, when people have got filters, when people have got unforgiveness, when there is a lot of bitterness, when there is a sense of jealousy or pride, Everything they see in their victim is bad. And they'll talk ill about the other person. But this morning I want to ask you, check your filters. Because sometimes you spread slander. You spread evil report about somebody because of what he has said or done. Not because it is wrong, but because of your filter. You misinterpret what the person has said. He makes control. You make wrong judgment about a statement. Not because the person said it, but it's in you. There's a filter in you. There was nothing wrong that Peter did. Nothing. Nothing. It's just that this circumcision group had a bone to grind with Peter. They struggled with pride. Sometimes people struggle with pride. They can't accept others to be equal to them. Sometimes our filters are political. They are tribal. We have filters where we judge people what they say through our filters, which are based on tribe or race or color or class. And we misinterpret what is said and then we spread a rumor. We gossip, we slander people. When what they have said and done is 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 innocent, innocent statement. That is the problem that Jesus had with the Jews. The Jews falsely accused Jesus of saying he was going to destroy the temple. What he said is he was going to give up his body. The body will be raised on the third day. They falsely choose them of trying to cause sedition among the Jews. To cause the revolt against Caesar. That was a false report. That was a false accusation. And you know who made that accusation? The Pharisees. The Pharisees did not want Jesus 
to become the preeminent one. He looked as if he was taking their place of dominance among the Jews. They were jealous of Jesus. Everything is said. The, the Pharisees looked at it in the negative. Because of the filter. This morning, God, help us to remove those filters that caused us to misunderstand people and then we say wrong things about them. We make bad reports about them. We misquote them. Same thing with Paul. Paul was falsely accused of teaching the Jews to abandon the law. He was accused of trying to create a riot. It was false. It was only false. People accused them, hated him. He sought to kill him. Everything that Paul did was looked at through those filters. Now, in verse 4, let's see what happens. In verse 4, the Bible says, And Peter began, let's read it, and Peter explained it to them in order from the beginning. He began to give them a full account. Peter explained it to them in order from the beginning. In the house of God, brothers and sisters, let's not be quick to make conclusions until we hear the full account. Many times when we make conclusions, they are based on fragmentary accounts. Usually when we judge others, we don't have all the information we need to make a fair comment. If this circumcision group had first gone to Peter and asked him, Brother, how did you go to this man's home? They would have heard the full account and maybe they would have not falsely accused Peter. But many times we are quick to make conclusions and judgment and statements when they are based on information that is insufficient. Peter began to explain to them, you know, friends, I was praying one day. I saw this vision. He explained to them that even before I went to this man's house, God had sent an angel to this man's house. If I am to blame, blame God first, because God broke your rule. God sent an angel in the house of a Gentile. Are you following Peter began to give them the full account. He says, if I am to be blamed of going into a house of a Gentile, I think God should be also put on captivity. I choose him because before I went to this man's house, he had already been there. He sent an angel to this man's house. And by the way, he told me to go there. He said, don't refuse go with those men. Peter began to give them the full account. People sometimes give us bits and pieces that they want us to receive, to sway our opinion towards their conclusion. When people come and give us this information, many times some people manipulate the information. And they may only give you what is good enough for you to be swayed to agree with them. As a church, 
when you hear someone coming with a bad report against a brother, be slow to speak. Wait until you get the full account. Peter began to tell them, you guys, you don't know what happened to me. Who, are, who am I to refuse when I go to this man's house? And they began to speak, the Spirit of God, the same Spirit who came upon us, came upon them. And they spoke in tongues like us. No, who am I to forbid them from being baptized? Jesus said, he who baptized us with the Spirit of God. He did it on these Gentiles. How could I, Peter, contend with God with what was doing? He explained the whole thing from the beginning. So my advice to us this morning is that when we hear an accusation, when we hear slander, when we hear a bad report about a brother or sister, be slow to speak. Because often we don't have enough information. Wait until you have got the full account. Hallelujah. There's a saying that there is no smoke without fire. That statement is not true. Sometimes there's, no, there's smoke when there's no fire. It's just a fabrication of people's imagination, assumptions, and speculation. There's no fire. The smoke is a creation in people's minds. It is true. There is no smoke without fire. That statement is not true. Sometimes there is smoke when there's no fire. False accusation, Kabisa. False. False. When we receive information from outside, through our eyes and our ears, it goes through a filter. The filters may be political, NRM, NUP, tribal. Filters may be a ritual of bitterness. Someone offended you and you are nursing a grudge. Everything he says is filtered through that grudge. And when you receive it, you twist it. And then you report it to others and you try to convince them to agree with you. That should not happen in the house of God. That should not happen in the house of God. Let's be careful. Let's not become like the devil, falsely accusing others. False accusation is the work of the devil, not Christians. As I said, sometimes there is smoke when there's no fire. It's just a fabrication. And people talk about things that, that are not true. And sometimes it's because they, of course, don't have all the information that they need to make a fair comment. So, my advice is that be quick to hear, but slow to speak. You may end up fueling and spreading a baseless allegation. Baseless. You're hurting a brother, hurting a sister. One time someone said, Pastor, so-and-so, has got HIV, tell him to stop working and, and, and go and live his, the rest of his life comfortably at home. He should not even bother his employer. This is true. 
Somebody in the church came and told me that. And I said to this person, you want me to go and tell the brother, you've got HIV, go and put your house in order, stop working, and prepare to die. I said to this individual, why do you want me to tell this? To, why don't you go and tell him if what you're saying is true? I discovered what, what this individual was saying was not true. The brother was healthy and well. There was a grudge. There was something. There was a, a personal vendetta. There was something in this person's heart that caused them to view the other person in the negative. You always said things that were negative about this person. Filter. Filter. This should not take place in the church. We should not fuel and spread blessless accusations. Hallelujah. Now, also in the verse 3, they said, Ah, Peter, you have gone to the home of an uncircumcised person. And you ate food with him, had dinner with him. As I said, go and check in the law of Moses. There's no law against eating food with a Gentile. There's no law. There's no law that forbids someone to eat food. Except this had become a tradition among the Jews. It became a culture. They would not enter home of a Gentile or eat with them. In fact, one time Peter sat down with the Gentiles and was eating food with them. And Paul was with, also with him. And when Jews who adhered the law of Moses, when they came to the place where Peter was seated with Gentiles eating food with them, he got up. And Jews who were with Peter also got up and left the table. And Paul said, no, Peter, what are you doing? You, you live as if you are, you are a Gentile. We know that people justified by faith. Paul rebuked Peter because there's no law against eating food with a Gentile. All this was based on tradition, culture. And my next point to us this morning, brothers, are all with being slow to speak Stick to the Bible. Stick to the Bible. Be careful of culture. Be careful of tradition. Be careful of ways of men that have almost become like the Bible itself. These, these traditions were being regarded as if they were part and parcel of the law of Moses. When they were not, they were not in the law of Moses. This was part of their culture as Jews. Sometimes in the church, we falsely choose others, slander them because of our culture, our traditions. We tend to uphold our culture or whatever, whatever tribe or whatever it is. We forget what governs us is not culture, it is the Bible, it's the Word of God. Word of God. Stick with the Bible. Stick with the Word of God. If what I've done is not contrary to the Scriptures, why do you then judge me? Only judge me if what I've done is against the Bible. 
But if it's against your culture, that is your culture. Don't, don't judge me based on your culture. Judge me based on the Word of God. Stick with the Bible. Hallelujah. The other thing is aim at transparency and integrity. We know in verse 12, verse 12, it says, And then the Spirit told me to go with them, doubting nothing. Moreover, these six brethren accompanied me, and we entered the man's house. The other thing I want us to, to try to put in practice is that let's live our lives wisely. Why do I say that? When Peter was going to the house of Cornelius, he took witnesses with him. He took six men with him. Six men. He was smart. In the day when slander is flying, in the day, in the last days, when people are forcefully choosing each other, live wisely. Live wisely. Live a life of transparency and integrity. Because any shade of darkness can be used by the enemy to falsely accuse you. Aim at transparency. Aim at high level of integrity. Yes. Do your best to live above reproach because this is the day and the age of slander. False accusation. There are people that the enemy inspires to falsely choose brethren. And for us who stand every Sunday before you, may God have mercy on us. Because we are more prone, we're more liable to receive slander. Because you hear me speak almost every week. Sometimes I may say something which to me is innocent and is misconstrued by someone. He goes and says, you know, Pastor, what did they say X and Y? Either he informs the government, he informs people, he saw some, you're not in charge. They, this man said this, can you imagine? He said this. These are days when slander will fly everywhere. So I do my best to live wisely. I just, that is now my part. I try to leave no room of misunderstanding because I know when you start here, public service, you, you, you see me every week, you hear me speak, you see how I dress. There is a lot of room for criticism. If you are out there to destroy another person, you have many opportunities because I am here every week. I speak. You know, my wife, my children, I, if you want to harm me, you can find a way. But I do my best to aim at transparency and integrity. I do my best. I do my best. Peter was smart. Before he went in the house of Cornelius, he took six witnesses. He says, you guys, what I am saying is the truth. In fact, here are six men who went with me in this man's house. They can attest and confirm what I've told you. And I went to this man's house. God sent me there. 
before I went there, God was already in this man's house. If you have a problem with that, talk to him. If you're going to charge me for going to a man's house as a Gentile, charge God first because he went there before I did. And he spoke me to go there. When I got there, I began to speak. And the Spirit of God came upon them as he came upon us. Who am I? Who am I? How could I stand God's way and forbid them from being baptized in water? And what has happened? There are six men here who are my witnesses. Ask them. They all kept quiet. Let's do our best to aim at transparency and integrity. Everyone in the ministry, even you worship leaders, all of us who are before the public, if you stand on this pulpit, if you're someone in leadership, aim at transparency and integrity. These people who write newspapers, they always want to pick on Barokore. Always. And sometimes they make bad reports about Barokore when the reports are not are related to any genuine church. There are fake churches out there. There are fake pastors out there. There are people who are witch doctors, but they have a name, Pastor So-and-so. They're witch doctors. And these newspapers speak on that. These are days of slander. All of us who are in ministry, be careful. Aim at transparency and integrity. Put a, a, a high bar for yourself. I know even with that, some people will still misquote me and accuse me. These are days when one of the characteristics of people is that they will be slanderers. Now, I want to finish with this. There are three ways you can respond to someone who comes to you with false accusation. Do you have that? Can you give me those three questions? You ask them these questions. The first question is, have you talked with those directly involved in this matter? Have you talked with them? And someone says, you know what? This is what I heard about this so-and-so. You know, it's, it's, it's very bad. Can you imagine? He has done X and Y. What you should ask them, thank you, brother. Thank you, sister. But have you talked with the person directly involved in this matter? You're only talking about them. Have you talked to them? When someone comes with a false report, an accusation, ask them this question. Have you talked to the brother yourself? Have you exercised love and kindness and care and compassion by going to him or to her to talk to him or her about this matter? Jesus told us in Matthew 18, 15 to 17, when there is an offense, you go to the brother and you try to talk with them one-on-one. -on -one. Why do we do that? We do that to limit the circle of toxic communication. Did you hear that? 
limit the circle of toxic communication. We don't want to hear evil reports. So if there's an evil report, contain it in a small circle as much as possible. Resolve it. Talk to the person directly. Deal with it. Stop telling us things that smell badly, things that we don't want to hear, things that are shocking. We, 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 we want reports that are good. If you hear something bad about a brother, go and talk to them. Don't talk about them. Go to them. That's the principle Jesus gave us in Matthew 18. Go to the brother, sister, directly. Instead of spreading the matter, there are people who can't handle what you are telling them. They will backslide. They will leave the church. You're going to kill a soul. A soul may die because you've given them information that they can't handle. It is too much. Yeah. When I joined this church many years ago, I had gone to the restroom and I was there. The brother came and told me, you know what? This church is so bad. The pastor does ex. He gave me a whole list of negative things. I found God. Even though I was a young Christian, there was enough maturity in me. I listened, but I put that aside. And I said to myself, no matter what he has told me, I will stay in this church. I will serve the Lord. I'll walk with God. If I had been a different Christian, I would have left. I would have gone through the gate and left. It was a bad report. Go and talk to the person directly. When you tell someone, they may not be able to handle or help or benefit with that information. Something beyond their level of understanding or appreciating. So, Talk to them. Number two, ask them, can I quote you by name that you are the source of this information? When the person has given you his dossier, his report, tell him thank you. Now, can I quote you? <laughs> can I quote your name as the source of this information? When the person, no, 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 no. I had someone say, he had this one say, he had this one told this one. No. You realize this man is a gossiper, a slanderer. Tell him to stop. You're just spreading gossip. Stop it. If you are not courageous enough to allow me to quote your name as the source of this information, please be quiet. Stop spreading the rumor. If what you're saying is true, then you must be prepared to meet and go through the process. The messy, and sometimes these things are messy, the messy process of restoring a brother, of bringing reconciliation, of bringing a brother to repentance. It is messy. It's not pretty. It can be ugly. You tell the brother, are you prepared for this? If your report is true, 
Are you prepared to go through the process and it can get ugly and messy? And I want to quote you as the source. If the person says yes, then you can proceed with the process of meeting the brother. And that's the third question. Are you willing to come with me and resolve this matter with those directly concerned? Are you prepared to go through the process of restoration, repentance, discipline? Are you prepared to involve the pastors, involve the victims, all this? Are you prepared to go through this? When the pastor says yes, then you know that what he's saying may be true and must be dealt with based on the word of God. So my brothers and sisters this morning, all I've done, I've prepared you for the last days. Last days, Paul says with days, days that are perilous, dangerous, stressful because people's hearts are going to be full of slander, hateful, unthankful, brutal, liars, all those things as we read them. This morning, I hope God will help you and me to know how to handle that report when it comes. Father, I pray this morning, forgive us. Forgive us and cleanse us and in the process to make us stronger as a church. Transform us to become a strong body of believers. People who walk in righteousness and holiness. People who walk in obedience. People who walk in love. People who walk in unity. That you may continue to do a marvelous work in and through us. We pray these things, believing and trusting, through Christ our Lord. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for listening. We hope that you've been strengthened with his might and fortified by the word of God. Please make sure to like, follow, and subscribe to our Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube pages at Full Gospel Map. Goodbye.